Welcome back to Shot Selection right here on Riot Radio. I hope everybody had a great reading week. Hope you got some rest. Hope it wasn't too swamped with work. I know my reading week was essentially Monday up until Saturday. It was just work. It was only work. It was just school work. I didn't really have any break at all. And then Sunday, which is today, the day that I'm recording this, I sent out five emails and I didn't do anything but record this podcast. So I'm counting this Sunday as my reading week. I hope you guys had more rest than I did. And we missed out on some amazing NBA news the past two weeks. So we're going to get caught up on that. But first, we're going to talk about OUA exhibition games and the NBA restart, which in in my opinion are probably the two biggest pieces of basketball news as it relates to campus and as it relates to the NBA. And they're also the things that I really want to talk about the most. But we got three or four subjects depending on what happens today. But let's just get right into it with the first topic of the day. Just before reading week, I had a chance to sit down with OUA CEO and President Gord Grace for a pretty good interview in the Chronicle. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to pat myself on the back too, too hard. But if you do have time, I would go read it. I thought it was enlightening to me. But nonetheless, the most interesting thing to come out of that interview was that the OUA is allowing for exhibition games this time around, something that they didn't do when they canceled fall semester back in July. Now, what that might look like, I don't think we have a very clear picture of that yet. I know that there is schools who are already looking into it, including, uh, from what I'm hearing, Ontario Tech. And that's something that was addressed in the article as well. Scott Barker said that's something that they'll absolutely be looking into as long as they can do it safely with the safety of their athletes in the forefront of any discussion in a return to play. That makes total sense. But what's really interesting to me, and I, I want to know, maybe you guys have thought this, maybe you haven't, maybe this is just where my, my mind goes when I hear these things. So the OUA and the OCAA got canceled on the very same day, October 15th. They were separated by about four hours, but I mean, for all intents and purposes, the OUA cancellation leaked about the same time that the OCAA confirmation came out. It was pretty much the same time. But what's really interesting to me is that the OCAA allows for exhibition games as well. And when I was talking to Gore Grace about it, there's a really interesting quote in the article. Again, if you haven't read it, I would highly suggest that you do. But there was a really interesting quote that he said that he expects exhibition games to be played safely within a region, locally, in a safe environment. Now, to me, when you say within a region and when you say locally, I think to myself, well, we have two basketball teams on campus. We got two men's teams, two women's teams. I don't know what the state of Durham Lords basketball is at the moment. I know that at a collegiate level, you rely a bit more on walk-ons than you would at, say, the OUA. Uh, Not to say that you wouldn't have walk-ons at the OUA, but there's just more of them at a collegiate level. And I know that there's going to be a mass amount of turnover, especially probably on the men's team. And even, honestly, the women's team lost Caitlin Hickey, uh, Zoo, Glendening, you know, they've lost people. Uh, and three is not like a small amount as it comes to a team, right? I could imagine a scenario where they just don't have the roster to field a team for this. But if you could imagine in a perfect scenario, I'm just putting this out into the world as like manifestation because I think it would be so cool. And Obviously, we didn't have Campus Cup, our yearly soccer tournament. I mean, we did, technically. It was 
FIFA tournament this year, I think. Like, I don't know. It's not the same, right? We didn't have that Ontario Tech versus Durham College thing this year. I'm just, I want to put it out into the world. I want to manifest it. I really, if it's possible, I would really, really love to see Durham College, Ontario Tech on campus in a safe environment. You know, there's not a lot of people on campus right now anyways. And I think it's even less people in the campus recreation and wellness center. So I think, I think it could be cool. I think it would work out. I don't know. I'm just putting that one out into the world. What do I think the exhibition games could look like outside of that? I honestly have no clue. I know that the schools are working on it. I know that they're talking about it. And whether those games come to fruition or not, I think I want to say I want to say that it will require a lot of collaboration between the schools that set it up. And I think it's going to require some luck, honestly, in, in terms of like what the COVID cases look like and like where the COVID cases are coming from, because I'm. I'm starting to become more aware that the people that make decisions, they don't care about the mass number of cases, not to say that the athletics directors fall into this, but the people who make decisions at a high level when we're talking about like mayors and we're talking about regional powers, they make their decisions and inform their decisions on where the cases are coming from. So uh, if a mass amount of cases in Oshawa are happening, but they're all from long-term care facilities, it's like you know that Dan Carter or that the school potentially is going to argue for games happening because those long-term care facility outbreaks, they're not going to affect what's happening on campus. But right now in the region, I think the numbers would support a return to play. And In Pickering, most of the numbers that I'm seeing, at least in the stats that I'm hearing from local politicians as I work on stories here and there, a lot of it is long-term care facility. A lot of it is the return to school for the smaller children. So I think that supports that we will probably see exhibition games in March, in February, and on. I can't even speculate who they would be against if it isn't against Durham because there's just maybe you fly around Toronto, (laughs) you know, maybe you're going to Lakehead, maybe you're going to Laurentian, you know. Those places where there's not a huge amount of outbreaks just within the community, I think that's probably the most likely scenario now that I'm spitballing it. But we'll have to wait and see. I think it's one of the most intriguing stories. Uh, I'm going to be covering it on the podcast. I'm going to be covering it in the Chronicle. If the games happen prior to March, uh, very unlikely. But if the games happen prior to March, I might even be doing something for the games. So... Cross your fingers. Let's hope for the best. On to the next story. The NBA shed a bit more light on when we could potentially see them back on the court. And would you believe it would be before Christmas this year? According to a report from ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski over the weekend, the NBA is increasingly concerned about starting too late and having to compete with the Summer Olympics for ratings. This would mean that the NBA is targeting a return for December 22nd. So let's break down what that means. Let's just start with the dates because I think this is the easiest way to get this across. November 18th is the NBA draft. That's 17 days from now. Tentatively, before all of this started, the NBA free agency looked like it could potentially start on December 1st. That blows this out of the water because if they want to start 
on December 22nd and be ready to go for Christmas, you need to have a training camp period, which I've heard was probably about five weeks is what they're looking, a training camp period to get ready and a probably like one or two preseason, like there's huge air quotes around preseason there, one or two preseason games. I don't see how you could have time for that. So who knows when free agency is going to happen? I would imagine you have to give teams like a few weeks heads up and rather than just like springing it on them. That is to me the one of the craziest things is that we're just throwing together an offseason on the fly here. And I understand unparalleled circumstances, right? This has never happened before in the history of the NBA, really in the history of sports. Throwing this together on the fly and trying to create a viable plan for a season that's also financially viable for the owners is, I got to imagine it's insane. But at some point, there has to be some structure. You know, you have to be able to tell a team, this is when you can make plans. This is when you can do this. Oh, you can expect a training camp then. You can expect to start signing your free agents then. Without that, it's just bedlam. Right. We're we're looking at an entire month of December, probably where you're looking at signing people and getting them directly into a training camp. And I think from what my understanding is they're not going to do a bubble and I don't understand why. I mean, I don't know. I, I I get why emotionally bubbles are tough. Right. Mentally. Bubbles are really, really hard on players. But I don't understand why we can't work around that, why we can't have a bubble for a bit of time and then take a all-star break, if you will, again, air quotes, and then reinstitute the bubble coming out of the all-star break and then just go from there. Work with what works. Why are we talking about, oh, let's get let's get the Raptors to play in Kansas City. Let's get the Raptors to play in Louisville. And by the way, the Raptors are never going to play in Louisville. And I think the, the players have already said as much. You couldn't pay the Raptors to play in the place where they killed Breonna Taylor and didn't do anything about it. There's no chance. In Kansas City, I mean, I don't love the option. Honestly, I've heard Newark, New Jersey being tossed around as an option. I would prefer New Jersey over Kansas City, if I'm being honest. At least it's in, like, relatively the same area, right? At least you're still in the Atlantic. Either way. It's insane to me that we're having all of these talks and there's just no structure for teams. And then on top of that, even beyond what like the front office needs to know, are we really convinced that returning by December 22nd is a good idea for the players and their health? I mean, we can already look at soccer. Soccer returned way quicker than it needed to and players are experiencing more muscle injuries, way more fatigue. The quality of play, in my opinion, has been down. So I guess in general, you could say that I just don't like this plan. It's <laughs> really, there's only one positive, And the, the one positive that comes out of this is if you're really invested in Team Canada's Olympic chances for the men's team, if the season starts on December 22nd, there is a chance that the season is done by the time that the Olympic qualifiers roll around. But if I'm being really honest, I don't even think I would really blame the players for not participating in the Olympic qualifiers because you're going from, you know, let's just take Jamal Murray, right? Unquestionably, probably Canada's best player. I don't even think there's a probably. Unquestionably, Canada's best player at the moment, right? Jamal Murray goes from Western Conference Finals 
after a, a long, long season, even though there was a break in the middle there, it was a long season. You go from Western Conference Finals, you get like two months break, you're back. You have a whole season, right? It'll probably be shortened, but you're playing a whole other season where you're likely to go into the playoffs and go deep into the playoffs again, assuming that you know they aren't decimated by Jeremy Grant leaving. And then on top of that, afterwards, you've got to come back and play an Olympic qualifying tournament, and then you've got to go to the Olympics afterwards. And then by the time that that's done, oh, by the way, you've got like two months off, and you probably have to try and play in a normal NBA season after that. That's a really, really insane schedule for any player. I'm not sure that anybody's ever done something like that. And I know people play through the summer. I know I know women's players are rolling their eyes because they're all playing in like Australia and the Euro Leagues in the offseason and try and put like food on the table. But I I just think it's that's unfathomable for a professional player to have no off season like whatsoever. I don't know. I can't I can't see that being a good option for our players. So honestly, if they go through all of that and if this happens the way that the NBA is proposing it, that's not even a big positive to me. If I'm being honest, I think that that's just lightly searching for a silver lining. So that's where we're at. We're going to keep covering it. I'm not a huge fan of this return. Uh even the return in January made more sense to me, but apparently there's like a huge amount of money being lost if you start in January, something to the tune of like half a billion dollars in revenue. That's beyond my pay grade, if I'm being honest with you guys. I'm not a huge fan of it. We'll keep an eye on what's happening. On to the next story. The Brooklyn Nets have announced that along with naming Steve Nash their new head coach, they are hiring Mike D'Antoni and Ime Adoka as assistant coaches and Amare Stoudemire. That's right. That Amare Stoudemire as a player development assistant. It's very rare that I ever get like hyped up about assistant coaches. It's very, very rare. And like I know they mean stuff. I know when the Lakers hired like their entire coaching staff, it was a lot of interesting, intricate decisions being made there to bring in Jason Kidd and everybody else on that staff. But I got to say, I'm really excited about this. And so, so I'm so excited that it almost trumps the amount that I'm like not excited about a team with Kyrie on it. It honestly makes me want to cheer for the Brooklyn Nets. I'm not going to lie to you guys. Obviously, I couldn't, but I would smile a little if the Brooklyn Nets won. And that's saying a lot as a Raptors fan. That's saying a lot as a Raptors fan, let's be honest. But let's talk about what each of them bring to the team. I think that would be an interesting place to start here. But obviously, Mike D'Antoni, that's your offensive guy, right? If you're bringing him in, you got to imagine you're saying, look, we're bringing you in to set up and get three-point shots, to get people to run the break correctly. And this is where I think the Amari Stoudemire thing comes in and is really interesting to me is you've got Mike D'Antoni talking about a fast break in there and you've got bigs like you know Jared Allen and DeAndre Jordan and you can get a guy that's worked in that system who's thrived in that system looked like a superstar in that system and you can teach them the little intricacies of like oh you could slip this screen here fill this lane here get them in spots where they need to be and then all of a sudden you've got a, like a functional post game without even really having 
you know, a back to the basket big, which obviously isn't really a requirement in modern NBA, but, but nonetheless, you're going to have that component in your offense. I also think it's really, really interesting bringing in Udoka because I've long said, and even over the past like few weeks here, I think that if you're going to make a team with Kyrie and the way that they're set up, especially with KD coming back off an injury, I think you need two solid wing defenders. Uh, Wilson Chandler might be one of them. I don't know. I, I, it's been a while since I've really thought like, wow, Wilson Chandler did something amazing. So I, I want to lean towards no. But I think if they were able to sign two mid-level, maybe like cheaper veteran wings that can just defend and not worry too much about offense and not like take up possessions away from KD and Kyrie and you have Udoka to like fill in maybe one of them's a younger guy in the draft or something that's really all you can ask for that's probably a best case scenario for them if I'm being really really honest with you guys so I think like all three of those guys fit in in really really interesting ways for the Nets Uh, I'm I'm kind of hyped I'm not going to go overboard. I'm not going to say, oh, they're like their favorites because honestly, you never know, especially with Kyrie. It's kind of a volatile situation on any given day. It's like, how does he feel here? How does he feel then? KD is his own guy. You know, he's he's strange. (laughs) I hate to say that, but like I can't get a read on him. I think KD's a great player. I think he's like the best scorer possibly ever. I don't know what to think. And coming back off an injury, I don't know what to think of him as a player yet. So we'll see. We'll see. But I think that the Brooklyn Nets made some really sound decisions here. I think they're really, really good. Obviously, between Nash and D'Antoni and Stoudemire, you've got a proven track record of guys who have succeeded in the offense that Nash is looking to install there. I can't hate on that. Honestly, I cannot. So hopefully everything goes well for them. Well, not too well, you know, as a Raptors fan again. But I approve. I gotta say, I, I really like this decision. So good for the Nets. On to the outro. Thank you again for tuning into this week's episode of Shot Selection. It means the world to me. This is one of my favorite times of the week where I just get to sit down and talk about my favorite basketball teams, my favorite sport, and even share some of my insight that I and learning about the OUA and the OCAA and what kind of quirks are coming up in the return to play action for them. I I swear to God, I've said the words return to play more times in this past month than I've said them at any other time in my life. But I still, I honestly appreciate it. So don't go anywhere. There's going to be more great content right here on Riot Radio. And I'll see you next week.